From WXXI News, this is Unleashed, the pet show on Connections. I'm Evan Dawson. Unleashed gives you the chance to talk to your local veterinarians about your pet's health and behavior. And with us in studio this hour, we've got Dr. Danielle Shemansky from Hilton Veterinary Hospital. She's going to be answering your questions, and you can call right now. you got any questions about your animals, your pets, uh, this is the chance to do that. 844-295-TALK. It's toll free. 844-295-8255. Or if you're in Rochester, it's 263-WXXI, 263-9994. You can tweet your question to the hashtag Unleashed or to our producer, Megan Mack. She's on Twitter at mmackmedia. And later this hour, as we mentioned, we're going to be talking about rescue groups in our community and the wonderful work that so many groups are doing. We can't possibly list them all, but you're going to meet some of them. You're going to meet some of the dogs that I had a chance to meet yesterday. Can't wait for that. But first, let me go ahead and welcome our guest in studio, Dr. Danielle Shemansky. Danny, welcome back. How are you? I'm doing very well. It's so exciting to be back here. Well, you, I, I was saying you're in high demand because you've got such a great bedside manner with patients. And um, so I, I'll remind our listeners, we've got about, well, about two-thirds of the hour to get your questions in directly with Dr. Shemansky. So give us a call right now or send us a note, and we'll make sure your question on your animal, your pet, gets in. This is, we're heading in for the summer season. Summer officially starts next week. What's keeping you busy? Lots of puppies and kittens are coming in. Um, lots of new, new appointments, new pets, excited children, excited families, spaying and neutering. Um, let's see, all, all kinds of, in the typical, oh, typical dog park, um, you know, disasters. Dog park disasters. Well, I wouldn't say disasters, actually. <laughs> Confrontations. Yeah, confrontations and some altercations because everybody's out and excited for the new warm weather. And mm-hmm. um, there there have been just a few bite wounds to address, things like that. Okay, so that's what's keeping you busy. And w- when it comes to the cat side of things, is this the busiest time of year? Is this the most, uh, what's the word, productive time of year for the population? So this is what happens with cats. As the days get longer in the season... Cats start going into heat every three weeks until they have sex and get pregnant. So when you hear all that meowing and row, row, it's going to keep happening every three weeks. And then it only takes about two months for them to make a whole new litter of kittens. How long? About two months. That's the gestation? Mm-hmm. I don't, I, for some reason, I thought it was longer. Okay, so uh, that's why when, when we talk about you know the work to bring in one cat can have an impact that is really hard to count on the population because of all of the breeding that goes on, right? Mm-hmm. It gets out of control real fast. Okay. Um, so that's what's keeping Dr. Shemansky busy, busy. I've got some questions along those lines, but I'm going to work in your phone calls as well, and it, it can be really on any subject. So we'll start with Marianne and Brighton, who's on the line. Go ahead, Marianne. Hi. Um, doctor, I have a 14-year-old indoor cat who was recently diagnosed with inflammatory bowel disease. I try to get this prednisolone tablets or compounded into them every day, but um, is there any way like uh, probiotics or anything else that uh, sh- could possibly help, you know, cure this rather than just, you know, medicate his bowels? are fine. Um, he just lost weight. We did a CAT scan and found a couple of lesions and low folic intake or something. So, Well, medication is certainly helpful. 
Yeah. So, so I think the probiotics are a great idea. Um, some some veterinarians even say switch the switch the foods, switch the proteins, or or rotate the proteins. Give them chicken one day, fish one day, but it all depends. You may have done some some testing or some food trials to find that certain foods your pet has an adverse reaction to. My cat, for example, has trouble with fish and chicken, so I avoid those, and I'll, I'll rotate between venison and lamb and uh, salmon, you know, or, or a duck. Um, All right, Marion, is that helping? Uh, what kind of probiotic would you recommend? Fortiflora is a good one. Fortiflora. Okay. Mm-hmm. It comes in little packets, and you can empty the you can empty the packets into the wet food, or dry food, whichever. Um, and and it's pretty tasteless, so they tend to eat it pretty well. Do I just get that at the drugstore? You can get that at your local vet. Okay. I believe uh, certain pet stores carry those. Okay, so I should talk to my vet about the dosage and everything. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. Okay. Thank you. Thanks very much, Marianne, for the phone call. We'll get back to your phone calls in just a moment here. Uh, We were talking about this being the time of year where we see the populations increasing, you know, two-month gestation for cats, lots of new litters coming in, and then the question on what you do if you are going to bring in animals. When it comes to vaccinations, how quickly? If if you want to help out by bringing in cats, I remember... Wow, 2002, our cats are going to be getting older. Uh, 2002, (laughs) this month, 2002, um, my wife and I adopted a mama cat and four of her kittens. We didn't keep them all. Um, That's why we have a cat named Mom. We didn't intend to keep her, but we did. Uh, (laughs) But the question was, how old do they need to be before you start getting shots, vaccinations, et cetera? So can you work us through some of the age and and how quickly you'd start doing that if you're going to bring in animals, especially young cats, kittens? Sure. I start vaccinating about, you can vaccinate as early as six weeks old, but you definitely want to get a vaccine in around eight weeks old and again at 12 weeks old and sometimes 16 weeks old. For that's for the feline distemper vaccine. For something like feline leukemia, if your cats are going to be going outside, um, then you definitely want to vaccinate for that. So that I typically give uh, when they're old, when they're 12 weeks old at least. Same with rabies. Rabies animals need to be at least 12 weeks old. All right, and I, I don't even remember. It's been this long with our cats. What exactly we did, um, but we adopted them when. The cats, the kittens were maybe eight, ten weeks old. And so I'm sure we got some shots for them, but they were going to be inside cats. If you adopt kittens knowing they're going to be inside cats, does that change what you need for vaccinations? In other words, do you need feline leukemia? Do you need rabies if you know they're going to be indoor only? The feline leukemia I tend to avoid because there's a tiny, tiny, tiny chance that they can get, as in like one in 10,000, that they can get a tumor from the vaccine itself. So, but if your cat is going outside, then I, you know, the chance of them getting feline leukemia is far greater than that. Mm -hmm. And I would highly recommend it. For rabies, number one, it's the law. So we have to do it. Okay. See, I didn't even know this, and so I'm sure we did <laughs> 14 but years ago. I will tell you, rabies can come right to your house. I had a neighbor who had a bat fly into her house. Oh, wow. And she went to get a drink of water in the middle of the night, stepped on what she thought was her barrette. Oh, get her out cats, of here. <laughs> her cats were going nuts. She ended up having to go to the emergency room because it was a bat that bit her that was positive for rabies. Oh, wow. So, yeah. 
rabies can fly into your house. So I would certainly vaccinate your indoor cat for yes, rabies. Yes, my, my brother-in-law has an amazing story of a bat that flew into his house <laughs> and the sounds those things make and putting duct tape on the end of a broom. And yeah, anyway, uh, so I, but I hadn't thought about that. So it's just another reason to be thinking about that. Even if you only have an indoor pet, uh, it doesn't mean that you don't have to think about that. Correct. Well said. Okay, back to the phones we go. This is Paul in Fairport. Go ahead, Paul. Uh, hi, thanks for taking my call. Sure. Hi, I have an I have an 11 year old dog. Uh, she tore her right ACL about three months ago, Ooh. and she's recently torn her left ACL. The right one healed fairly well, uh, but I guess my question is, uh, we're trying to avoid surgery with a dog that age, and I'm wondering how much uh, physical therapy can really help her. Lots and lots and lots of physical therapy might help. Okay. To an extent. I, I, I will say, uh, age, I mean, age is not a disease. And, you know, certainly I will, you know, I, I recommend surgery. If you want the fastest recovery, the fastest, most pain-free recovery, I would recommend surgery. But if that's not an option, I do have one patient who is 12, 100-pound dog, um, ruptured his cruciate. He had surgery on the first leg, but the second leg he... Was he has some other medical issues that um, that preclude him from going under anesthesia? So, I sent him to Therava Acres. It's a fabulous place. It took a lot of time, and a lot of dedication, and um, you know. And a year later, he is walking pretty well. But you got to be patient, and you got to be really dedicated, and do a lot of anti-inflammatories and glucosamine. Um, et cetera. And my perhaps misinformed understanding is that surgery may only be effective about half the time. Is that accurate? No. Oh, oh, okay. knee, oh yeah. Knees are, knees are a great surgery to do for a veterinarian. They certainly help animals a lot. And what, what kind of dog do you have? Uh, she's a mixed breed. She's probably about 50 pounds. About 50 pounds. So dogs that are lighter in weight, maybe, you know, less than 50 pounds, um, they tend to do well with a um, lateral suture technique. That's something that a lot of general veterinarians can do. Um, heavier dogs certainly do a lot better with um, some of the more advanced surgeries done by board-certified surgeons, like a TPLO and TTA, things like that. Okay. But great. yeah, they, they they do great. Just give them eight weeks to heal, and they do great. Oh, good to know. All right, thanks so much. Absolutely, Paul. Thanks for the phone call. Good luck to you. Let's get our first break of the hour, and we're going to come back. Joan in Honey Eye Falls is on the line. She's got a question about algae on the lake, and uh, we're going to come back and let her at least ask that question. Hey, dogs eat just about anything. That's true, isn't it, Doctor Schmansky? Oh, if they you've can probably get... seen just about the wildest stuff come in in dog intestines, haven't you? Cat poop is definitely a favorite, but that doesn't usually block them up. That's not what I was expecting you to say. <laughs> <laughs> my <laughs> my in-laws used to keep a list of what their uh, lab German Shepherd had eaten oh. on the fridge. Uh, this dog was a tank, but yeah, animals eat just about anything. So let's take our, our first very short break, and we're going to come right back with Dr. Danielle Shemansky from Hilton Veterinary Hospital. She's in studio for this hour of Unleashed, the pet show on Connections. And if you want to call with your questions, we'll take more of them. 844-295-TALK, toll free, 844-295-8255. Or in Rochester, 263-WXXI, 263-9994. Short break and right back.
Support for your public radio station comes from our members and from the financial advisors of the Sartini Group at Morgan Stanley, 585-987-6053. Investments and services are offered through Morgan Stanley Smith Barney, LLC, member SIPC. From Natural Pet Foods Company, helping people make diet choices for their pets, offering frozen and grain-free foods, and foods for pets with special needs. 766 Clinton Avenue in the South Wedge, naturalpetfoodscompany.com. And All Cats Care Center, a full-service feline veterinary hospital offering medical and surgical care and boarding. All Cats Care Center, where cats come first. More online at allcatscarecenter.com. Welcome back to Unleash the Pet Show on Connections. I'm Evan Dawson, Dr. Danny Shemansky here from Hilton Veterinary Hospital, and Joan in Honeyoy Falls is next up on the phone. Go ahead, Joan. Hi. Um, I knew it was going to be really hot this weekend, and I was going to take my one-year-old dog, a retriever, out for a swim, and someone just today told me that the green growth, I don't know if he meant algae or whatever, in smaller lakes like Canisius and Honeyoy, and also Lake Ontario, can make dogs sick. Is that really surprised me. So I wondered if the doctor knows anything about that. I can imagine that some of the things and many of the things in the lake water can make anybody sick, including your right. dog. Um, uh-huh. so, you know, some dogs have, some dogs that I've seen who have been swimming a lot and drinking a lot of lake water feel a little, you know, dumpy the next day, but mm-hmm. it doesn't make them permanently sick to my knowledge. Mm-hmm. And it depends if they're, you know, if they get a little in their mouth, it's probably fine. I mean, retrievers need to swim. They need to have a good time. And certainly right. dogs eat worse things than algae, and they do fine. Okay. Okay. I just wanted to know that because I heard it this morning from someone. Oh, gosh. Already. Yeah. Well, have a good <laughs> swim. Let your dog be a dog and just bathe them afterwards and give them lots of filtered water and good food. (laughs) Thank you, Joan, for the phone call. On that note, by the way, Danny, do you see dogs come in who have eaten dead fish on the beach? You know, and and what does that do to a dog? Well, yeah, the dead fish, number one, is just really gross and stinky. And for some reason, they love it. I think sometimes I'm convinced that the worse something smells, the more they like it. Um, Dead fish, luckily... Animals can digest bone, so as long as it sits in their stomach for a while. But man, I've seen dogs get pretty, get pretty sick from eating the dead, rotting fish that wash up to the shore. Yeah. Well, good luck to you, Joan, and a lot of people who will be out on beaches and in warm, uh, in warm weather places or spots uh, near the water this weekend, and for the coming week. It's warm week coming. This is Pete. Next up with Dr. Danny Shemansky. Go ahead, Pete. Hi. Uh, I've got a twelve-year-old lab that doesn't sleep. He sleeps about four hours a night. Really? A yeah. lab with insomnia? <laughs> yeah, he's <laughs> causing me to have insomnia, too. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, what, what are the conditions? Um, I, I think he just uh, is food-driven. He'll eat anything, anytime, and uh, he just you know, I could feed him at three in the morning, say, and he'll be fine. But uh, he demands his food. What are you, What are you doing up at three in the morning, <laughs> feeding your dog? Well, well, that's a complicated question. <laughs> but uh, mostly, when he sticks his nose in my face, I have no choice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I do tend to work crazy hours, like having to get up at four and be somewhere. But 
Well, maybe he might be anxious about your work schedule. If you have crazy work hours and he doesn't know what time that he needs to be up to spend time with you, that might be part of it. Well, during our 11.30 walk, I try to tell him what's in store for the next day. But he just doesn't listen. (laughs) So, Danny, any other advice on what he can do here? Well... I would say try to set up a routine that's very comforting for dogs and for people. You might want a routine too somehow. If there's a nice quiet room that you can keep them in that's, you know, where you can pull the shades down or give them a proper nap or something like that, that that might be able to help him rest. Give him uh, maybe put some white noise or something to reduce anxiety, add a little comfort zone or dog appeasing pheromone in that in that room or in that crate, wherever his safe haven is in the house, and that might help him relax a little bit. Uh, you mentioned something interesting, uh, a pheromone or a hair, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Have you have you heard of that? Uh, only for cats. Oh yeah. <laughs> Dog appeasing pheromone is fabulous stuff. It's supposed to help keep um, keep dogs calm. It works in about seventy percent of dogs. Now that keep that keep in mind that all those you know all the studies, the seventy percent comes from subjective evidence. But um, a lot of owners have said great things about that, and it helps them relax enough, reduce anxiety, and um, and be able to enjoy their time alone a little bit better. You can get it at a pet store. Okay. Mm-hmm. Dog appeasing pheromone, or DAP. I think it's also called comfort zone. Well, I'll have to try that. Exercise is their next. Their next stop. The, yeah. You know what? Thank you for mentioning. <laughs> thank you for mentioning that. You know, a tired dog is a happy dog. Good luck to you, Pete. A tired dog's a happy person, Danny. Yeah, that's true. I'm, <laughs> sure I'm, 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 I'm sorry. I'm sorry. A tired dog's a happy dog. A a tired person who gets regular sleep then is a happy person. So, yeah. You know, dogs need regular sleep. People need regular sleep. Pete needs regular sleep, I think. So um, <laughs> good luck to you, Pete. Thanks for the phone call. Melissa in Seneca in Seneca Falls. Go ahead, Melissa. Hi there. Um, we have an outdoor cat, and I did try to give him Confortis, and he just keeps throwing it up. Like, he knows what's in it, and he just doesn't want anything to do with it. Uh huh. Yeah, that's a huge chalky pill to give a cat for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. It, but I mean, our indoor cat, we break it up. But with him, he's um, he's not he, having it. He, yeah, I, I'm I'm hard up to like hold him down like I do my indoor cat because I'm I'm afraid he's gonna get me and he'll get me bad. But oh. I'm I'm just looking for like an alternative that's reliable because. There are lots of alternatives that are reliable. Um, Advantage, Frontline, um, Advantage Multi protects against fleas, heartworm, and intestinal parasites. Perfect. Revolution. And those are all topical. Just part the hair behind his neck, squirt it on, and you're done. All right. Because I can't, I mean, I keep, I keep hearing about these ones that like Walmart, you buy it and these are like the really bad ones and they can kill your cat. Don't do it. Don't give anything oh. that has sergeants or hearts on the label. Okay. All right. That's perfect. And, and don't then my give... indoor cat hates our daughter and we can't figure out what to do. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Sounds like a personal like, problem. <laughs> like, I don't know what to do. Like, Is... I, like I said, I can hold her down and force things into her throat and she like comes right back to me and is happy as a clam. She... My daughter goes near her, and it's like World War Five. How old is your daughter? Ten. Ten, okay. 
uh, and how did, was there ever a point in time where your cat did like your daughter? Not that we can remember. And we got her like she was probably eight weeks old. Does your daughter try to spend a lot of time with the cat? She tries to, but the cat will just get up and like leave, and, like come find me to tell on her for being near her. <laughs> a lot like, of cats do attach to one person in the house. Um, we actually have a kitten at home that is attached to my husband, to my dismay, because I want the cat all to myself. But that does happen. But as maybe maybe your, your cat needs to experience some good positive experiences with your with your daughter treats butter put some butter on her fingers oh no she'll she'll that. eat treats from her and you know okay watch her change the litter and you know she feeds her and everything so it's like she's got these good things but she's just a brat mm. well i don't i don't know any other way to to i don't know how old is the cat I, melissa it's two. Cats, too. Yeah. Um, well, Melissa... It's like into the terrible twos of cats. <laughs> that can happen. They do They do go through a little bratty phase. They really do. Okay. And then All they right. come around. I mean, yeah. your, your cat's your cat's spayed or neutered? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Even helps. the outdoor one. Our neighbor, we take turns taking care of it. Ooh, I have an idea. Get some feel away. That's that pheromone that cats like. And have your daughter spray it all over herself. <laughs> <laughs> I, no, seriously, I do this in the exam room sometimes when I when I have a cat that's aggressive. I'll, I'll spray feel away all over myself, and things tend to go a little bit better. Wow. Okay. All right. Yeah, I'll try it. It's worth it. Melissa, good luck to you. I will say that as a as a fellow cat owner, my son's four now, and our cats are much older than him. They're you know fifteen and fourteen, and. Uh, they have taken some time to get used to him. Now, toddlers are a little more bull in a china shop, you know, so, and, and that can be tough for territorial animals like cats. But um, it's taken some time, and the relationship's much better. He loves them so much, and he gets upset when they, uh, <laughs> when they either won't come around him or Mama Cat will give him a little smack sometimes and like that. But, but he's been very patient, and it's taken a lot more time than we thought, Melissa, but hopefully um, with, with a little more, more time and, and more exposure, that wall will start to erode for you. So, yes, patience and, is a virtue. And if not, just take a shower in pheromones, like Danny said. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Danny Shemansky is here. Dr. Shemansky is from Hilton Veterinary Hospital. She's in studio answering your questions. And next up in Pavilion, this is Chris. Go ahead, Chris. Oh, hi. How are you? Good. Fine. How are you? Good. Um, nice to talk with you. Uh, I, would, I was just wondering, did you cover, by chance, um, type 2 diabetes in cats yet? We have not. Okay. I just wonder if I could share my story. I'd try to make it as quick as possible. Sure. Okay. That's okay. Yeah. Um, my cat, um, I had a, was diagnosed with, with type 2 diabetes, and I'd done a lot of reading on this, and I found a, uh, a woman of that, I can't remember, I thought she was in California, um, Dr. Elizabeth Hodgkins, and um, the gist of her protocol for cats with type 2 diabetes is to pretty much immediately take them off dry food and feed them meat, um, either canned or, you know, you can cut up your own chicken or um, fish. But, but what, what food, not dry food, is the point, yeah. Yeah, because um, by nature, cats are carnivores, as you know, and a lot of this 
um, dry food is very high, high in carbohydrates. Carbs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's it's not really good for cats. So my story is that my little guy uh, got to be he was urinating a lot, and then he was kind of just walking around in a stupor, and he would sit around like in the middle of the kitchen, just staring at the floor. Yeah, those are all signs of diabetes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so I I kept reading about this woman's protocol and her case examples, and there's a actually a link to a forum where other people are doing the same thing. And so I started to feed him canned uh, food. And is it is it a food that is specific for diabetes? There are a no, lot of oh. no, it's uh, what like whatever one of the main brands is really. There, I mean, um, there are a lot of foods out there. Um, there are a lot of prescription grade foods for specifically for diabetes that can be very helpful. And it, they're very high in protein, low in carb, and they do come in. They do come in a dry food if your cat refuses to eat wet food. Uh-huh. And um, you know, and and they're very very helpful in helping your cat lose weight. Essentially, it's like putting your cat on the Atkins diet. Oh, okay, yeah, and my. That did describe, he gave me some dry food, but it's really high in fiber. And what this protocol needed was high um, high in protein, moderate in fat, and ultra low in carbs, mm-hmm. especially ones from uh, cereals with a high glycemic indexes like corn and potato. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I started feeding him canned food, canned meat. Mm-hmm. And I would check and try to get the, the ones that were highest in protein and, and fat as well. Yeah, is your cat responding to it? Within a day or two, he was back to his old self. Okay, good. Just, it was like night and day. Along with insulin, right? No, no insulin at all. Okay. Um, that was to come, though. But he was, I think, 15, 16 at the time. So that when that food feeding him the, the, the meat... Turned him around. That lasted maybe a week, but I could see he was slowly going back into it. So I figured that, you know, being as old as he is, that there was probably some damage there that had happened because of this. So I followed the next part of the protocol, which is to get a a certain type of um, insulin, uh, protamine zinc insulin, and it's um, it's uh, what do they say? made from beef molecules because it resembles the natural feline insulin. And I had to have it made in a compounding vet um, pharmacy in Texas, but I, I had it done. It was a little pricey, but not too bad. So they sent that up. Is it helping your cat? It, it did, yeah. It, it, it was amazing. I mean, I had to check his ear, like do like a very tight regulation, and I kept notes, but I would prick his ear and get a, his blood and, and based on what the reading was that would tell me how much insulin to give him rather to, than to give him two straight shots of uh, humulin or, or whatever a day and that that kept him um, really healthy for, for about a year and so Chris can let me, let me just jump in and ask because I'm going to run out of time I've got other qu- listeners I've got questions from do you have a, yeah. a question for the doctor do I have a question? Yes. Oh, yeah, I just wondered if she had heard of this protocol or the, this, this her website is yourdiabetic.com. 
uh, well, with yeah, there are many kinds of insulins that you can use in in cats with type two diabetes. Lantus uh, is one of my favorite ones. Levamir is also there. Those are longer acting insulins. Those are great. I definitely recommend if you're going to, no matter what the insulin is. Um, definitely make sure that you're doing blood glucose curves with your veterinarian and you know how the insulin acts in your uh, in, in the specific pet over time so that you know what's going to happen in you know six or 12 hours whenever the half-life is and how low that blood sugar is going to go and you know, just be safe about it and then once you're comfortable with your insulin protocol then you can you know play around with things a little bit but not too much these things tend to be pretty scientific and, you know, very time dependent. Uh, so I've got a few listener questions on the written variety, and it's not exactly a lightning round, but we'll keep it moving quickly here <laughs> before our next break here. So this comes from Monique in Rochester. She says, I've got a one-and-a-half-year-old cat. For the past six weeks, she's been eating half as much. Her energy's fine, but she's thin. I thought it was hairballs. She tossed up four of them, but she's still not eating well. What could it be? I would... Go to the vet and have her checked out. Make sure she's not coming down with something. One-and-a-half-year-old cat, that's a young cat. Did it say whether she was indoor or outdoor? didn't say. Okay. You know, check, you know, just check things out. Make sure she's not coming down with an upper respiratory infection or, you know, some sort of, like, herpes outbreak or something like that. Uh, make sure there are no parasites. Bring a fecal in. You know, vomiting a lot and vomiting hairballs really isn't normal. I mean, it's common, but it's not really normal, especially in a cat so young. So, um, so definitely bring her in, have her checked out, make sure she's on a fever or anything else. Okay, uh, listener named Jill wanted to know. And first, let me actually before I get to Jill's question, I don't know if you saw Dr. Shemansky. There was a video that went viral. Um, from a news anchor in Denver. He's actually a Rochester native. He's a native of Lyons. Um, and he worked in Rochester media. His name's Kyle Clark. He's a news anchor there. And he put a little video out, and it's gone viral. The Today Show put it out there, where he says that he wished he would have put a rock through the window of, of uh, this guy's car. He was, uh, it was a 90-degree day in Denver last week, and he was out shopping, and he heard a dog crying inside a locked oh car. God. And he thought about putting a rock through the window. He didn't. But he waited, and the owner came out, and he said, "Look, you got to crack. You know, you, you got to get the, the, this dog some help. You can't be putting it in, in a Absolutely. locked car like this." And he said the guy basically told him off and laughed at him. So he put this video out saying, "I'd like to apologize, uh, not to the man, uh, but to the dog, and I wish you had better owners." And on, you know, so if you want to check, it's easy to find. His name's Kyle Clark, and that's kind of gone viral. But Jill was asking about how long does it take for a dog left in a hot car to start suffering from the heat? A matter of minutes. I mean, it's, it's like children, you know, you can't you can't leave kids or dogs or anybody in a hot car. But honestly, a matter of minutes. It's one thing if you have the car on and you have the AC running and you're going in just to pick up something that's already ready for you and you're running back in. But for God's sake, on a 90 degree day, either take your dog with you or, you know, leave your dog home or just leave the air conditioner running or something, but don't leave them in a hot car, no matter how short you think you're going to be. And I think the windows were very lightly cracked in this case, which some people think, well, the, I just got them, you know, an inch or two from the top, just cracked a little air in. That's just, a- just because they can breathe doesn't mean that they're not going to get heat stroke. Yeah. I mean, that's, God, that's, that's, Thank you for putting that video out. Yeah. Uh, easy to find if you want to check that out. Mm-hmm. Uh, one more quick question, um, and it, I want to kind of call back to what we opened the hour with, which is 
you're you're kept busy by cat season right now, cat breeding season. But whether it's a cat or a dog, mm-hmm. there are questions and debates over when's the proper time to spay and neuter. Spaying and neutering should happen at what age for puppies and kittens? I am so glad you asked that question. There's a lot of debate out right now. In general, traditionally, the spay and neuter age has been between six and nine months old. Obviously, that's not going to happen in a shelter situation. You want those animals... We're talking dogs? uh, Yeah, we're talking dogs. Yeah, dogs. Well, cats too, I guess. Between, you know, around six months old, we we spay or neuter them. Um, In dogs, especially in... Well, for the most for the most part, you know, dogs spayed or neutered between six and nine months old. That's fine. Now, there's a lot of controversy with larger breed dogs, uh, golden retrievers, uh, Labrador retrievers, especially Great Danes, Irish Wolfhounds. Those dogs they take a while for all their growth plates to close, and so there's a lot of talk about you know them getting hip dysplasia, or mo- most likely or more likely to get a cruciate tear. Um, cruciate is the the ACL basically mm-hmm. in the knee, mm-hmm. um, and and so a lot of people and a lot of breeders are suggesting waiting till they are a little bit older, um, you know, like one year old. Well, by one year old, dogs have already gone through their first heat, and um, the counter argument to that, the counter argument to waiting that long is dogs who dogs who have already gone through their first heat cycle are more likely to get mammary cancer. So if dogs are spayed before their first heat cycle, you can reduce mammary cancer by like 95%. And if they're spayed before their second heat cycle, which will be about six months later, then you can reduce mammary cancer by about 85%. And then after that, they tend to, then the risk of mammary cancer goes up. And it's not like mammary cancer is the rarest tumor out there. I mean, that's some that's one of the more common cancers that dogs can get. Sure. So, you know, it's a toss up. If you have a large breed dog and you want to you want to wait, I would still spay them, you know, as soon as you are comfortable with. Um, A lot of my clients will just say, well, you know, my my dog, I'm going to spay my dog at nine months, you know, right before their first heat and, and do that. I mean, that being said, there's no guarantee that if you spay your dog at six months old, it's going to have hip dysplasia and a t- myriad of orthopedic diseases. But it sounds like, I'm just guessing, it sounds like if you can wait till closer to nine months as opposed to six months, you know, but still before the first heat, maybe better. For the for the larger breed, yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. I would. Good rule of thumb. Let's get our uh, last break in, and we're going to come back. We're talking rescues. And uh, you may not be aware, I, you probably can't possibly be aware of all the rescue organizations and groups out there, but it is such a great story in our community, the people who are doing work to help any number of breeds, dogs, cats, and we're going to meet some of them next on Unleashed. Coming up in our second hour, we sit down with author Rebecca Renee Jones, the author of the new book, Broken for Good. How Grief Awoke My Greatest Hopes. It's a journey of faith in the story of losing her father. With Father's Day approaching, it's particularly poignant. And she'll tell the story that I think a lot of people will be able to relate to in losing a parent. That's next hour on Connections. This is WXXI AM Rochester, WRUR FM and HD Rochester, WEOS FM and HD Geneva, and WXXI FM HD 2 Rochester. 
Major funding for Unleashed the Pet Show on Connections comes from Rufus Kendig, the Richard T. Bell Foundation, and from the Lilliputian Foundation. Little grants making a big difference. Welcome back to Unleash the Pet Show. I'm Evan Dawson. The rescue community is larger than you think, and I say that because there are more rescue groups than I could list on this show. There are some I've still never heard of in Rochester. There are rescues for specific dog breeds. There's general rescue. There's cat rescues. There are people giving their time and energy to helping animals. And I want to take you first to one facility. Maybe you've been to Record Archive in Rochester off East Avenue. If you turn right instead of turning left, you can drive to the end of the row and you'll find a sign for canine orphans and Doggy Woggies. The official name is Doggy Woggies Canine Playtime. It was opened in 2010 by Jennifer North. She's created a 6,500 square foot space that is loudly and proudly cage-free, more of a dog fun center than a place to drop your dog when you work or leave town. But that wasn't enough for Jennifer. She recently opened Canine Orphans, a rescue organization that can also use the space at Doggy Woggies. And I went there to meet some of the tenants. This is Champ, and he's about two years old, and he was an owner surrender. And um, he is actually, get down, he is very excited and he's very happy. <laughs> Canine Orphan started in April of 2015. And um, so you just passed a year. We did just pass a year and we brought in about 135 dogs. 135, is that... Is that more than you thought you would do? Is that it right is around what you thought? a lot more than I thought we would do. Um, I don't know if that's, you know, typical for rescues. I don't know, but I think that we were on a mission to make a difference, and um, it was a lot of work, but uh, we made it happen, and we continue to go strong. Does that just tell you that there's an even greater need in the community than you might have even said? Wow, I, I, hear some, I hear some of the guys out there. Yes. Does that tell you there's an even greater need in the community than you thought? I had no idea of the need in the community before we started. Um, we started pulling from shelters out of state, actually, before we got into the actual community. And now we're doing less out of state and more local pulls and rescues. Right, so out of those 135 rescue dogs, yeah. how many are with new homes now? About 115. Wow. Yeah. We have 18 dogs in foster currently. Who, who you're looking for homes yes. for? Yes, who are looking to rehome. And five are, five are puppies, or seven are puppies. So not doing too bad. How do you find homes for them? Um, social media is, is huge for us. We do a lot on Facebook. Um, we do a lot on our website. And, of course, it doesn't hurt to have a daycare where some of the puppies are running around and your clients see them. And I imagine social media has changed things for you, for anybody in rescue and foster, right? I mean, all of a sudden now you can reach people that you couldn't have reached 10 years ago. I don't know the euthanasia rate 10 years ago, but I have a feeling it was so much higher than it is now. The social media has just opened up so many more doors and avenues to us, and we, we've reached so many people daily. It's, it's amazing. What is this dog on this couch? I wish people could see. This is Reef, right? This is Reef. He, he is absolutely comatose right now. You, yeah. you are almost massaging him. He looks, he looks happier than I've ever seen a dog. Tell me a little bit about Reef. Reef was adopted from the shelter last August as a puppy um, from his owner. And his owner didn't think he'd be able to keep him, actually. But he didn't want to leave him at the shelter. So um, I pick Reef up sometimes. And... 
bring him to daycare for his owner who works long hours but now his owner is actually a volunteer for canine orphans and he's actually fostering a puppy. Uh, Reef is a part pit bull, part mastiff and he's a beautiful brindle color. Oh, is he beautiful? Yeah, he is, and he's sleeping on your backpack here with all your stuff in <laughs> it. All of the equipment I could barely uh -huh. even get to because Reef just parked himself right on it. Yeah, so he's a very sweet dog and he loves puppies. So when we have a puppy that needs a foster, um, we usually send them over to Reef's house now. <laughs> and um, he's a great dog. He's turned out to be a great dog and his owner's absolutely in love with him. And while back here in studio, I will I will tell you if you want to see a picture of Reef, I posted it on my Facebook page and I'm on my our Twitter account, by the way. Uh, and and yes, there he is, parked right on my bag. Jennifer North is with us in studio now from Canine Orphans. Nice to see you in studio, um, and great to have you. Thanks for letting me come out to the facility yesterday. Thank you for coming. Yeah, Thank you and for having me. Also here is Stephen DeVay from Rescue Pit. And Stephen, grab that microphone, get nice and snugly with it. Nice to have you as well. How are you? I am good. Thanks for having us as well. Well, the rescue community is, is really big in, 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 in Rochester. And I want to ask both of you what your specific missions are. Jennifer, I, I asked you briefly in that interview, but what you told me was a year plus ago when you started, you might not have thought you're going to place 115 dogs in your first year, you know, 135 already. And my question is, can you, can you grow that? Are you maxing out? What, what is your year-to-year -year goal with what you're doing? I don't really have a goal. We don't really have a goal, I should say, because... It's not just you. It's not just me. <laughs> yeah. It's a huge team of volunteers and my co-director, Jody. Um, it is a huge effort on behalf of all of us, but we don't really have a goal. But as John will say, the calls keep coming. Um, the shelter is full. Um, we get a dozen or so Facebook messages a day, a dozen emails a day. Can you help me? Can you help us? Can you help this certain dog? And, you know, we can't help everybody, but there are certain, you know, emails or messages that reach out to you that you just can't say no to. Um, you know, there's also puppies on Craigslist that you see in deplorable conditions that mm. you just can't say no to. So we do what we can. You know, the more fosters we have, the more dogs we can save. And we just go day to day. You know, some days we do burn out and it's the other volunteers that bring us back up. And we just, we keep going. It's Canine Orphans, and you're online where, Jennifer? We are online at the letter K, the number nine, orphans.org. We have a website, and our Facebook is the letter K, the number nine, Orphans Incorporated. What do you need from the community right now? You need volunteers? You need fosters? What do you need? We need fosters. We need um, volunteers to share our posts to get our dogs out there. And um, we basically need everybody to be nicer to each other. <laughs> we, need, um, we need everybody to realize that a dog is not a throwaway object. Um, these shelters are overrun with dogs with wounds and stray dogs, and they are thrown away, and we're there to pick them back up. And we don't, we don't understand how these dogs can just be thrown away on the streets. If they want to contact you at Canine Orphans to help, if our listeners want to volunteer or want to yeah. help with foster, how do they contact you? Um, they can contact us at info at canineorphans.org through email, or they can contact us through messaging on Facebook. Uh, we don't have an actual shelter, so we ask them to reach us you know, through messaging or email. Um, you know, Otherwise, I'd have to give our personal 
um, cell phones out, which, you know. Yeah, uh-huh. no, I hear you. That's okay. But <laughs> um, they can find you there. They can find us, and uh, we will return their calls. I was struck by how happy the dogs were that I saw, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. We try. Of course, pit bulls always look like they're smiling. But <laughs> <laughs> we are partial There's... to the pit bulls, even though we are an all-breed canine all, rescue. Uh, all-breed. Well, let me ask Stephen DeVay, the president of Rescue Pit. Are pit bulls always smiling, or does it just look like that? They're always smiling. They really they're are, just they? always smiling. They're very happy, energetic, loving dogs, and we're a little, you know, partial well, to of it. Course. But... You're the rescue pit. So tell me about what is the rescue pit? How long have you been around, and, and what are you? Yeah, so Rescue Pit is one of the younger rescues in the area. We're just over a year and a half old, um, and we are a a breed-specific organization uh, reaching out into the community, trying to help the stigma that surrounds pit bulls, um, addressing it head-on through community outreach events. We have a couple of really awesome ones planned and in the works right now, as well as being a foster-based organization uh, that takes dogs in from the same areas that, uh, you know, Canine Orphans is from surrenders and we're partners with both lollipop and rochester animal services to bring in dogs that are on their quote rescue only list um, to help them through our foster system our dogs our pit bulls are in homes with other dogs with families with kids um, and we're seeing you know a great response and uh, what we're doing all right so. so how many how many dogs have you worked with so far uh, so at the current time, we've pulled 13 dogs. Mm-hmm. Um, so our numbers are a little lower. Uh, but Every our... size rescue is different, <laughs> my man. Yeah, yeah. that's it's not, fine. This is, yep. yeah, are you kidding? Um, we've actually, at this point, though, made the decision actually to cap our foster program. Okay. Uh, we never want to commit to more than 10 dogs at a time. And the reason for this is we could commit to 10 dogs, 50 dogs, 100 or 1,000 dogs. There will always be a problem. There will always be more of a need. Uh, so it came down to a funding issue, and sure. we've decided to cap our foster program at 10 uh, and to start to reach out more into the community to take our funds and say, let's not just address the symptoms of this problem. Let me address this at its core. Let okay. me keep these dogs in their home. That way they don't end up at RIS. They okay. don't end up at Lollipop. It's a great point. And so for you, what is the core of the issue that puts so many pits at, at Lollipop, RIS, et cetera? I, you know, I think that, you know, it was interesting before to hear, you know, Jennifer say that people need to recognize that these are, they're living animals and creatures and they have a personality. And I think that there is a huge education piece that is necessary and needed in our community to recognize that this dog that is acting up, you know, quote, acting up, is being a dog. You know, you adopted a living creature that has a unique personality. So when you see a situation happening, we have people that reach out to say, how do I fix this? Or how do I address this? And we respond to every email that comes in. And it's, you know, oftentimes our responses are just, you adopted a dog. This is what's going to happen. And this is the ways that we can mitigate. This is the ways that we can manage. This is the ways that we can support. But your dog is an individual and what you're exhibiting or what you're saying isn't a reason to dump it and to turn it over and to not be concerned about its life. Sure, I think that's well said. So, uh, and, and, and by the way, Stephen, you, you mentioned you want to cap at 10. You're obviously a different size than canine orphans. That's what we wanted to shine a spotlight this month on because there are so many rescue groups like yours. Listeners, I would just say, just Google Ros- Rochester Dog Rescue or pick a breed. and It's amazing how much cats, it's amazing how much you'll find that's out there that we did not know about because it's people like Steven, people like Jennifer, and their organizations that are doing this of all sizes. What do you need from the community most right now, Stephen? Uh, pretty much everything, like we said. Right now we are actively trying to grow that foster 
capability a little bit within our organization. So we are looking specifically for some more fosters, uh, as well as folks that help us plan events. You know, one of the things that we find most often is people think that the only way to support a rescue in the area is to foster, is to adopt, is to donate. And that's simply not true. You know, we need people that are going to go to events and be advocates and be, you know, dog handlers and to transport our dogs to and from vets um, to show up at events where we can't have dogs even, uh, you know, that is a great opportunity for people to be able to give back and get more involved and ultimately save a life. Okay. And if they want to contact you for any of what you just said, the best way to contact the rescue pit? Uh, so we have a website, Facebook. All of that is a great way to respond. We have a 48-hour guarantee. If you contact us, we will respond within 48 hours. So info at rescuepit.org. Uh, we also have an exciting opportunity for people that want to just get involved. Um, one of our biggest beliefs is transparency. Everything that we do will be known by the community. And we're actually having a half-year public meeting coming up on the 29th and the Rondecoit Library. So if you're interested in learning more about us or getting involved, come to that meeting. It's, it's going to be a board meeting for D us. Day and time and place. Uh, it is at Rondecoit Library on Wednesday the 29th at 7 p.m. 7 p.m. Wednesday the 29th, the Rondecoit Library. Mm -hmm. To learn more, to get in touch, that's the rescue pit. Canine orphans. There are so many. I got a note from a listener uh, who thanked us for doing the program, saying thanks for shining a light on these kinds of organizations. Uh, another listener uh, with just a note um, going back to the heat, saying, by the way, a Good Samaritan law does permit you to break a window to, to get a dog into a, a, a cooler area with cold cloths and immediately to a vet if a dog is in clear distress. Um, so th that's an, another good point. Joel writes, says, please remind your guests to leave their an animal companions at home during all local festivals, and the heat from the asphalt can burn your dog's paws. So lots of good reminders on caring for our dogs. Danny, any final thoughts from you as the veterinarian for the hour here? Final thoughts about heat or final thoughts I, in general? I, I, I think what we just heard from our two guests here on the value of treating animals like, you know, living creatures, not just some throwaway. Absolutely. Absolutely. These are our family members, and I think... It's really important to make a commitment to them, a time commitment, patience. That's really the key. A lot of people don't have don't have the right expectations. So I think people need to we need to we need to help as a community set up people's expectations about bringing a pet into your home. A dog acting like a dog, a cat acting like Absolutely. a cat. Dr. Shemansky, thank you for a wonderful hour. Dr. Daniel Shemansky, you can find her at Hilton Veterinary Hospital. Thanks for being here. It's been great seeing you. Thank you, Evan. And rescue groups all across our area. If you're listening now, thanks for what you're doing. Thanks to Jennifer North, Canine Orphans. Nice meeting you. Nice meeting some of the dogs. And thanks to Stephen DeVay from Rescue Pit. Thank you so much. Good luck to you guys as you seek to grow as well. By the way, quick note here. The sequel to Finding Nemo, Finding Dory, is being released today. And animal welfare activists and Aquarius have a warning for families who may want to purchase their own dory fish. You can learn about Pacific Regal Blue Tangs through a short video that's on the Unleashed Facebook page. Check out the Unleashed Facebook page right now. Short break and more connections next.